From McKinsey's business building practice, Leap, I'm Andrew Roth, and welcome to The Venture, a series featuring conversations with legendary venture builders about how to design, launch, and scale new businesses. In each episode, we cut through the noise to bring practical advice on how leaders can build successful businesses from scratch. In this episode of The Venture, we share a conversation with Moritz Hartman. Global Head of Roche Information Solutions for Roche Diagnostics, one of the Swiss multinationals' two divisions. Adapting to constant technological change and disrupting via science has fueled the 125-year-old company's longevity, which now uses digital tools and data science to provide insights, drive outcomes, and deliver personalized healthcare. Hartman sat down with McKinsey's Anand Swaminathan, our senior partner and global lead for Build by McKinsey. Hartman explains his mission to innovate the company's diagnostic solutions through the adoption of new technology, giving product teams the freedom to operate without interference from above, and never forgetting to let patient needs guide the business. Welcome to The Venture. I'm Anand Swaminathan, senior partner leading our global Build by McKinsey practice, where we build new digital businesses, modernize core technology, and drive digital transformations for clients. Today, I'm delighted to have with Moritz Hartman, the Global Head for Roche Information Solutions, RIS, within Roche Diagnostics. Over its 125-year history, Roche has grown into one of the world's largest biotech companies, as well as a leading provider of in vitro diagnostics and a global supplier of transformative, innovative solutions across major disease areas. Moritz, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you very much for having me, Anand. It's my pleasure. I thought we would start, Moritz, by perhaps giving our audience a little bit of color and background about your journey, your journey at Roche, your journey in creating this business, and where you've gone. I had actually a first career in the tourism industry, and there I started back in the late 90s to work with technology on a flight booking engine and a hotel directory. I had to pivot, though, and and I did that at the beginning of the 2000s. And that led me actually to arrive at Roche in 2005 in a finance role that then evolved over time into commercial and now uh, product roles. And I would say the red threads for my career has always been to work on, on the frontiers. So I had the opportunity to open the first presence of an IVD company, a direct presence in the Middle East uh, for Roche. And right now I'm as well working on taking an and an incumbent business to a new discipline. You know, Moritz, I'm reminded of over a decade ago, Mark Andreessen famously said, software is eating the world. And today, software seems to be a pillar for growth and differentiation in every industry. In fact, some of our McKinsey research suggests that 70% of the highest performing companies globally either already use or plan to use software to differentiate and create growth. And it seems that you've been on this journey at Roche to create differentiation, to create growth, perhaps powered by software. And and so I thought it would be great to hear, Moritz, what inspired you to build and scale such a software business inside this 125-year organization. Was it disruption coming? Was it to become the disruptor? Yeah, I love that question. And definitely... I would say we're putting ourselves more on the proactive part of uh, wanting to disrupt. We have, as a company, always been over these 125 years, really in the business of science and to disrupt by science. And that plays a very um, important role as well when we look at this technology shift. That's not the first technology shift that we undergo as Roche, and that's maybe why we're still here. So that has certainly 
been a driver for us. And the shift is really for us to move from having been already in the business of, of software for over three decades, but the software was actually there to make our instruments run. And we're now shifting that actually to be in the business of software to deliver insights and to make them actionable so that we can really use and bring digital tools and data science in the service of patients and in the service of driving outcomes. And of course, with our core strategy of personalized healthcare, using these tools to further personalized healthcare and go the next step that we have embarked on with, with that combination of uh, pharma and diagnostics, now adding insights to that. This actually triggers for me a thought around a debate. It's always this debate around, should the software business be core and integrated into the core business, or should the software business sit adjacent to the core business, or maybe even separately to the core business? I do think we, we have seen many examples where uh, kind of startup setups as part of a large corporation have not really brought the success that was aspired for. And I think there are specific reasons. One of it is a very simple one that whenever you are part of a larger organization, you don't have this every time the next pitch is an existential pitch for yourself. And I think with that missing, you're, it's very difficult to sort of reproduce the startup environment right. uh, yep. as part of a large corporation. And so we have a fundamentally different approach to that. Our approach is very much really on what are these unfair advantages that we have and that we can really use to expand. If you think of it, diagnostics has been in the business of clinical decision support forever. Yeah. Every single data point, last year, I think 23 billion data points generated on our products is a clinical decision support. And those are part of over 70% of all the decisions. So what we're doing when we're entering into the world of algorithms or digital biomarkers, we're expanding that, not just in, in bringing new data sources as being part of, of these decision points or the new decision points that we define. Some of it might even not need any information that derives from a blood sample or a sure. tissue sample. So that's one example of how we're really deriving this strong right to play out of our core business. Also on the pharma side, when you think of the concept of companion diagnostics, the digital companions work in the same way. They basically are looking into being a companion to a therapy and either monitoring the progression or identifying personalization elements like dosage. We believe we have really strong opportunities to expand from where we're coming from and to, with that, deliver to patients, not just an experience and also a value that is very tight and that they can rely equally to as they do for our blood tests or for our medicines. But it also gives healthcare professionals the opportunity to actually quickly adopt these solutions because they don't have to rethink the whole concept. They just have to expand the usage of existing solutions. You use the concept of leveraging the advantages. One of those advantages is usually around talent and culture. It's no real secret that finding the best technology, finding the best engineering talent, it's one of the hardest things to do. And I kind of have found, and I wonder if you feel the same, but that tech and engineering talent is attracted to companies with the right culture, 
a culture of agility, a culture of rapid innovation, hyper-collaborative environments, or companies with growth mindsets. So what are those key capabilities in the talent that you're really looking for? Because it seems like everybody else is struggling with that. No, it's it's absolutely the case. And I think it, it really starts with one has to find out what are really the capabilities that we're looking for. You know, there's, there's a lot of these buzzwords like, you know, we have to act like a software company. And uh, I think we had to learn our way and evolve to actually say it's like we have to act like a digital health company. And that's different than a software company. So we had to find that identity. And we've made big steps also by being in a constant exchange with the talent that we attract or try to attract. And one of the things that we really see as a differentiator for us is the purpose of what we're doing. We work on not just what we claim as Roche to do now, what patients need next, but we really look into shaping healthcare and changing lives. And this is something, there is many talented people in this world that are attracted to work for a strong purpose, and even maybe more so than a few years ago. And I think that plays for us because we give meaning to what we're doing. And having said that, we're also in a bit of a conservative industry. So if you think of one of the key drivers for tech talent being, how quickly do I make impact on the marketplace? Well, we are in a regulated industry and we can't offer that. So we should also not try to offer it. We should right. be clear about that's, right. that's what we can bring to the table. Again, that's our purpose. That is, that is the impact that we have and, and how we can change positively uh, people's lives with what we're doing. But also to say, we're looking for very stable, reliable technologies that people can trust. So coupled with that, we then, of course, over time, learn what are these capabilities that we need. And one of these important ones, and I just want to use that one example, is kind of a, a digital health business development. Other than in the traditional set of products that we do, I mean, our therapies and pharma are actually predefined as a product right. years before they hit the marketplace. Right. We have in diagnostics processes where we track whether the initial set of requirements is being met before a product gets released to the market. Now, in digital health, we do have products that are not fully set yet. We need to contextualize them at the customer site, and we need to make sure that the customer can find different ways how to use them in its particular setting. And this is a super interesting task because you now need to find people that can think through the technology element of it, that can think of how can I bring this specific technology into a patient journey that I'm mapping out for that particular customer, what are elements I might need to add to from an ecosystem perspective, and how do I ultimately make this work in the process landscape, even in the payment landscape of that particular customer or that particular healthcare system. And only if all of this comes together you're being successful. And that is a particular skill that is one of these talent uh, pools that we have then identified we need to find for us and we need to attract this, these people into our organization. But it sounds like here within Roche, you have that purpose and people are attracted to that. And I, I think that's a wonderful place. It's really a testament to where you and Roche have been going. The other thing that triggers to my mind and what you just said is software businesses, when you think about talent, they also get attracted to a test and learn approach creating early wins, but also bumping into some roadblocks, finding a way to navigate around those. 
I'd love to just understand how you're thinking about some of the early wins or early successes that you've been seeing in building out this business. And frankly, how do you also measure success in your business? So again, I think this goes back to the very roots of, of our businesses that we're in today. And we always look at providing evidence that we are creating value for patients, for the healthcare systems, ultimately as well for the society in, in our ability to deliver solutions that are not adding cost burden to the society. And this evidence is something that helps us on this way because you can start evidence by showing, can you do this for one patient? Can you do this for a single case? Can you make a single decision better at a certain point in time? And when you can do that, you can from there really scale it to the next five decisions if you can reproduce it. And if you can reproduce it five times in a single environment, your next step is, can you now reproduce it in maybe 20 different cases that also cover some different environments? And only then actually something becomes really scalable. A good example is that we have been able to provide the evidence that uh, through our tumor board solution, we can decrease the preparation time for these meetings, which are multidisciplinary meetings. It's very difficult sometimes to get the right decision makers on the table, but it's a very critical moment in time for the patient because that's the time when the patient has all the analysis done. And now what it takes is one needs to get all the brains together with that information in front of them to actually now be able to take the decision and set the patient on the right treatment. 30% improvement in that time is huge for that particular patient. And if you can do that several times, you can then really expand the impact and reach more patients with that. And then our next step of evidence for us was that we actually find out that we can reduce by over 40% the preparation time that it takes to bring these meetings together. So now you also have an economic benefit for the provider to it. And this is the sweet spot of that combination of a patient benefit and an economic benefit. This is where it works for the entire system and everybody benefits. And that's the basis to scale um, then for the future. And I think that's very measurable. What I love about that is it just, it's clear. We can measure it, we can understand it, track it, and then evolve from it. I think in the software businesses that we see all around the world, learning is one of the key constants, learning how to change, learning from successes, learning from failures. And I found that software companies and software businesses have become lifelong learners. They know how to internalize learnings and they know how to rapidly adjust and evolve. But sometimes more, it's, I've almost found that it's a new muscle for incumbent businesses to develop, this muscle to learn, internalize, and evolve. I am curious, what are some of the reflections and learnings, Moritz, that you've seen from the business building with this software business, but also anything that surprised you along the way? So there is this question about how deep does one understand technology, how much of a you know early adopter or even sort of a... Um, pioneer in terms of trying new things are people. And also, you know, sometimes there's a bit of a, a reluctance to say, should I look at this? This might be complicated. But in fact, you know, at the end of the day, many of these things are actually quite easy. And you find easily as well examples of, of how they follow similar rules or what you can learn. There's maybe an advantage for the healthcare industry not to be one of the early adopters. i you know, I told you about my personal background in tourism. That was one of the first industries that digitized, and we really had to learn a lot at that moment. I was personally surprised by the many 
sort of quiet pioneers that are there that are actually very curious. Curiosity, I think, is a key element for people working at Rush, and that curiosity is actually there. And you just need to really provide them with a few good examples and the first steps to really then help everyone to think of that disruption to not be a threat, but an opportunity and an opportunity that we can actually lead into. And that is really one of the beauties of this organization. Another example I'd like to give is the journey that we are on uh, for a couple of years now in, in terms of VACC leadership. I think it is fundamentally important to differentiate from a more of a command and control setting to really have this ability to challenge the status quo of the system, to think beyond boundaries. And this is a transformation and this is new technologies where you will not have the most senior person in the organization saying that's how it goes. It needs to really come from this talent that is there to explore and to pilot things every day. And the answer is with our customers, not within our organization. And the VACC leadership journey that we've been on at Roche for a number of years now helps us a lot to actually have that mindset and to act in senior leadership differently in terms of really embracing and taking that feedback on to then actually further develop the thinking of the organization. And uh, that, to me, is a fundamental advantage that we have that really helps us to work on this, what is maybe one of the most difficult challenges that we have, which is to get out of an incumbent business into a completely new technology field. Can I ask you to expand more? It's on VACC. Can you tell us what that is? So VACC stands for Visionary Architecture, Coaching and Catalyzing. And those are really those four elements where, as a leader, you're acting in a way to really enable and empower teams rather than telling teams the direction. And that is a key element if you think of of the successful functioning of product teams, which quickly iterate with customers. Decisions need to be made in these teams, not anywhere else. And this is where VACC leadership helps us to then use techniques to help teams to take the next steps, for example, through a catalyzing question or by helping them architect a broader vision or by just coaching maybe as well individuals um, on their personal leadership. But you've brought out this very important point that what you're building, you're taking into account what your customers actually want, what patients actually need. Any thoughts on how do successful businesses build and scale by thinking about the customer? What are some of the things you've done to really bring that voice of the customer and bring that dimension of the customer into the fold uh, here? Yeah, one of the key elements to this really is to be very quickly with the customer and to understand their problems. So one of those questions that I continuously repeat is, what customer problem do we want to solve? And many times we don't notice, especially when you're an organization that follows the science, sometimes you're more driven by opportunities rather than needs. But to build a business, it is fundamentally important to look at needs and to have that constant validation of things. And we have seen so great examples of how you think you're doing the right thing and an easy validation with a customer shows you how completely different the actual picture is and can give you a very a simple example. We, we had a solution once that was to measure glucose and we understood that it was tied to the term freedom for our customers. So we had pictures with the product and, and patients 
where they would stand on a mountain and, you know, things that you would associate with freedom. Right. And one day we had a symposium and one of our customers using this solution gave a speech saying, you know, I'm really, I really appreciate from this product my ability to be able to stand here in front of you and give a speech. And that is for me a person that, that expands my personal freedom. And I thought, I said, that's not the freedom that, you know, he's not standing on a mountain. He's standing on a speaker's desk here, giving a speech to the audience. And so we tested afterwards two different pictures. We, we used a social media channel and we had that picture of the person standing on a mountain. And we had a picture of standing, uh, of a person standing in a suit in front of an audience giving a speech. And you can already see that from the, from the picture, right. it's, it's right. clear which one's more attractive, right? Right. But we had 11 times more likes on the picture with the person giving the speech. In the audience. So you think you make everything right, but the feedback just tells you how wrong you were and how much more effective you can be with something else. And again, that's a, you know, it's a marketing example, but that equally applies in product development. And so this constant work with customers and the centricity and this listening to customers is fundamentally important. Absolutely wonderful. Moritz, it has been such a great discussion. I've loved the insights that you've shared. And frankly, I appreciated hearing about your journey and the creation, the evolution of this business, how you came to it. Thanks again for taking the time and sharing your thoughts. Thank you very much, Annette. You have been listening to The Venture. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Don't forget to leave a review and rating on your favorite episode. We will be back with a brand new episode next month.